This episode has been recorded on Treaty 4 and Treaty 6 territory. You know, sometimes you kind of got to get a... You are about to meet Alora. She uses she, her pronouns and has grown up in rural Saskatchewan. After completing her educational assistant certificate in 2013, she worked with a variety of young children with varying educational and emotional needs. After becoming a parent herself, Alora decided to further her education and is just finishing up her Bachelor of Arts in Psychology with plans to pursue a master's. Alora enjoys writing, reading, and not having to leave her house, Uh, but is always down to talk about inclusion and accessibility. This is very true. This is all very true. And she did not disappoint in this episode, you guys. Get ready to uh, enjoy yourself. Sit back. Enjoy yourself. Welcome, Alora. 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 (laughs) <laughs> Welcome to the Mixed Crips podcast. Thank you. Da, da, da. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Talking about uh, visible and invisible disability and and what that means for you in your life. Ooh, so, I have some of those. Nice. Beautiful. Beautiful. Don't we all? So let's blast off. Let's blast off right into, into this. Um, you say you do identify in some ways with invisible or dis or visible disability. <laughs> <laughs> words are hard. Yes, words are very hard. Words are hard right now. You see it. <laughs> yeah. I am somebody who is autistic, um, and has ADHD and dyslexia, so I'm just collecting the neurodivergent badges as I go, I guess. Um, <laughs> I know I, I really great. like that. I just got like a girl guide flashback. <laughs> yeah, right? That's kind of what it feels like sometimes. <laughs> it's really interesting, actually. Like, there's so many dyslexic people in my family. Like, um, each of my my grandparents had three kids, and each of their children has at least one dyslexic child out of each. Most of my second cousins are also dyslexic. Um, uh-huh. everybody else has really good, bad scoliosis. So I guess I was just really lucky that I didn't get that. <laughs> All things considered. <laughs> Everything else involves. <laughs> if I can, I'd like to tell the story of how the first time I met you. Yeah, sure. I'd love yeah. to hear. Okay. Yeah. So we, we were in the middle of doing a shift swap basically at our job that we work at together. And Alora was in the middle of probably some school work or packing up or something like this. <laughs> she was leaving and I was coming in new. And first thing I did was walk in and everybody, and I didn't know her at the time or the other person, but ADHD city and there was a lot of stuff a lot of stuff going on and all of a sudden she was putting stuff away and she's like she she just stopped she's like this room is full of ADHD right now and now and now and I was like oh okay like this is this is chill this is good and then and then you also like shook my hand and you were like 
and autism. Like, so she's like, so she goes, if if anything comes off weird or something, I can't remember exactly what you said, but like you you were like very open about. Just, just tell the me aspect. like it is yeah. because like if you want me to read between the lines, like that's never gonna happen. Exactly. I'm never just gonna like pick up on some weird look on your face or like it's probably gonna make me really uncomfortable, but I'll have no idea what it means. So like, just yell at me, be like, hey. You'll sweep the floor. Yeah. 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 Hey, by the way, you're cooking. Yeah. Uh, if you didn't know, this is what's actually going on around you. Yeah. If you could yeah. just wake up. Yeah. No. And so that's, that's exactly what, like why, like when Tash and I were talking about this podcast and topics and stuff like that, like I was like, I want a Laura. I want her. <laughs> and I want her if she wants to. Um, talking about like interpreting, interpreting interpreting other people's thoughts like in Uh. in in the world of your world and like what that looks like i know where i lie in that aspect of things and like we have the idea of like even text messages like i think everybody already has problems with text messages i hate text messages emojis Uh. like emojis aspects of things and i think i think that's like not necessarily a common thing but like if if you're anxious they are yeah <laughs> because yeah. you need people to know that you're not being a dick and that everything's okay and we're all still chill yeah yeah yeah, yeah. just to rewind a little bit do, did you always identify with disability or like how did you come to know yeah that that you like have disability or so when I was reading the questions, I actually thought that it would, like, maybe be helpful, especially because it's, like, um, talking about, like, undiagnosed and how hard it can be uh-huh. in diagnosis, just to kind of, like, start from scratch and yeah. then kind of start, like, the weird kid that was Alora to the adult that kind of functions now as Alora. Yeah. Because I definitely didn't always, and I got really, really defensive about it, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, I wouldn't say that I really fully grasped everything until I was about 23 or 24, maybe. And even then, like, what kind of resources are there for somebody who realizes that they're autistic at 23 years old, (laughs) right? Like, especially, like, I came from a time when, like, girls uh, didn't really functionally have ADHD or autism. Right. And like, I don't think I really knew what dyslexia was. Anyway, I'll start at the beginning. I was a super weird kid. Like I was your kid. I didn't really have friends. Um, I didn't wear pants to school until I think I was probably grade two or three. Um, I didn't learn how to ride a bike until probably the middle of grade three, like until grade three grade four and in retrospect like there was there was lots of red flags like I cried really easily when I was overwhelmed I I hated the way certain things felt um I just remember being uncomfortable and Mm -hmm. like I remember feeling always really really hyper like I I always had a pretty good sense that I had ADHD just because the older I got the more I found myself like really really impulsive Mm. um it was probably really easy to write off because my mom was kind of a crazy person. And so we were kind of just like <laughs> probably that family, right? Like one of those mm-hmm. like 
oh, there's that untouchable yeah. family with their crazy mom and all of her bullshit and all of her kids yeah. are fucked up. And uh-huh. like, it was, it was definitely one of those, right? They didn't want to touch us with a 10 foot pole. And fair, I guess. That's totally fair. But um, I hit puberty and I really had a sense that like other kids had, they just kind of got something that I didn't. Like I... I could watch people and I could read about people and I could mimic their interactions, but I never really fit. Like I, I could spit out as much regurgitation of social norms as I could take in and I I would never be normal. Like I, Mm -hmm. I was always too loud and too hyper and too impulsive and, and it fucking sucked. And like, I remember being like, 13 years old and just being like why can't you just calm down why can't you just settle down like next year you're gonna go to school and you're gonna be so calm and you're gonna have friends and it's gonna be okay and like that never really happened Mm -hmm. um one nice thing is that when I got to high school my dad had moved back down to the town that he was originally from And so I was finally able to kind of hang out with people in the town where he was. And it turned out that, like, everybody there had ADHD, too, because for the first time (laughs) in my life, I had friends. It was it was amazing. And like, man, we still have one of the most dysfunctional group chats ever. And it's like still (laughs) the original girls that I met at 13. And I was like, wow, actually, you know, maybe I can have friends. Like, maybe it's not just me. And so I... I wanted to be at school though like I really wanted to be able to succeed and I continuously requested testing um and my mother always just kind of brushed it off and would say like no you've already been tested uh it's come back negative there's no nothing for anything and like to this day I've I've poured over my all of my records and like there there was no assessments done um Mm. but I have this really awesome stepmom and so her son was diagnosed with ADHD and autism when he was about four years old. And my stepmom was like a really young mom. Like she's only like, like I'm going to be 30 next year. And I was the DD to her 30th birthday party. Like we're that oh, close wow. in age. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So um, she was a really young mom and she just really wanted to learn about as much about it as she could. And the more she learned about it, the more she was like, Kevin, I think that your daughter is autistic. And that wasn't something my mom would... I think she just didn't want people looking into her business. But, like, Mm -hmm. she would never sign off to get me tested. But my stepmom just kind of raised me then according to that way. Like, raised me as if I did have a diagnosis of ADHD and autism. So, like, she used a lot of choice therapy. And probably one thing that probably wasn't that good for a developing brain was that she let me smoke weed and go to school which uh, for the first time probably helped a lot it did I I moved in with them and I went from being like a 50s and 60s student to being like an 80s and 90s student wow Mm -hmm. like I I went from failing two classes in the 10th grade to graduating on the honor roll like it was It was unreal. I was finally able to just like slow down and calm down. And now like I'm a psychology student, so I know what that did to my brain and I'm totally horrified by it. But like, I I could see then that like I needed something to slow me down. Yeah. Like what did it do for the rest of you? You know? Yeah. 
yeah, it probably really didn't help me emotionally. Like, I was a very, very depressed teenager. I didn't have a stable sense of self, probably because I was always masking and trying to fit in and mm-hmm. had all this crazy family stuff. Um <laughs> I was just going to say, um, I didn't receive any formal diagnosis on any sort of learning condition until I graduated from college. Um, I got to teach at the North Battleford High School and the, uh, the SST, the, the student services teacher in charge of me, he was like super nichely involved in the dyslexia community. His wife was dyslexic and he could kind of spot it a mile away. Mm -hmm. So he picked up on me like the first time he saw my handwriting. He was like, dear God, we have got to talk about you. How have you made it this far? How? And I'm like, well, and that's the, that's the compensation that like happens in the world, especially when you're undiagnosed. I didn't get officially diagnosed until, until I was 24. And before that, it was like 20, I got like a loose assessment and then officially diagnosed. And you look back at stuff and you're like, how does that work? Because you're constantly interpreting the world around you and what you need to do to coexist in it. So for Mm me, socially, I was pretty like, I was pretty good. Academically was like excruciating right like I was like no no I'm not doing that I'm gonna push that off <laughs> I'm gonna pace around my house you know what I mean yeah <laughs> yeah well and and to be able to like work that it actually like the amount of brain power that it takes to like do that and like what a person does to cope through all of that as well is the part that like as a adult and like an older adult than what I was when I also was doing it you're like damn damn man that's a lot so then when you were younger and undiagnosed did you like have some of the similar struggles that Alora is talking about i would say like a lot of my my report cards were like maria needs to calm down or, <laughs> this and this and this this and this and this are super satisfactory but like there was also a time when like z Zeddy came came in and like the mascot right which is fucking creepy when you look at the video <laughs> like all these little kids are like going up and like some are just standing there some don't want to go up and some are just like okay here's a hug or whatever here's maria fucking come beeliner for for Z, like a head on like a kind of hug and they're like okay maria we need to see your face and i was like like maybe I can't see your face, and I'm like this, I'm like all the way back, like this. I'm like, what's going on? I'm like Maria, no. So I like inch my way around. I'm like, but I'm not letting go of Zeddy, man. I'm not letting go of life side Zeddy. Get out of here. Um, and everybody else is like, eh. even even that is a small like thing, but like everyone's like, you need to calm down, or you need to focus, or you need to like da da da. Very disorganized. I mean, show me an organized twelve year old. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah genius that's it yeah yeah yeah. show me an organized genius yeah they don't exist then how did it like you discover or who discovered that you identify with adhd um once i had to be a grown-up and function in society it was really hard because Mm. there are so many um unwritten social cues and there's so much about um, non-neurodivergent communication is like really unwritten and it's something I really struggled with. I actually primarily went to school to work with people with autism because I kind of always figured that like 
we got each other. I got these spidey senses. And then the more I learned about autism and ADHD and the way that it presents in females, the more I started to realize, like, I think that's me. And so I think I was, like, my first teaching position in town was really good. I really enjoyed the school. I got along well with everybody. There was just so some moments where, like, I didn't really get it. But the teacher that was in charge of me, like, her son is on the spectrum and her daughter has ADHD. And so, like, people like me are just kind of her, her vibe. And I started to realize the older I got that people either, like, could not handle to be around me or or they really liked me and if you if you like me then you tend to like chaotic neurodivergent people <laughs> and and if you don't you tend to really just not fuck with neurodivergent people and like and that's fine and that's fine and that's totally fine i'm totally okay with not being everybody's cup of yeah. tea but when i started being the teaching assistant to some you know older more old school teachers they wanted me to read their minds and figure out why they hated me and fix that and I couldn't do that and I remember just like coming home from work and it being worse than high school and like I remember Mm. looking at my partner and just being like it's like I I'm not even a, a teaching staff anymore like I I'm just back at high school and the staff room is full of popular kids and mean kids and I'm still not fucking cool. I am still weird. I was doing a lot of, I guess, what would be called, like, masking and trying really hard to fit in. And the more I tried to fit in, the more I didn't get it. I don't know. And I guess I, I really believe the best in people. And I really take people at their word. And so there were a few things that happened that I just felt like, if I had better social perception, they probably would have been a lot different and it probably would have saved me a lot of really hard emotional things. And just like even like humiliations, like, I don't know. I worked with some really amazing teachers, but I worked with some really mean ones too. <laughs> and like, if they, they definitely would have hated me as a kid because they full on hated me as an adult. And so when I left the school division... I was so distraught and -hmm. just like, I, what's wrong with me? Like, why can't I, what's going on? What the fuck is wrong with me that I can't just like coexist with other adults? Like, Mm -hmm. and so I went back to university and I kind of like had this really bad quarter life crisis. Um, Quarter life crisis. I did. I I like it. I like that. Uh (laughs) I I was 26 um, and I I quit my job a year after I had left my husband. um, And then I I found my biological family that same month um, and adopted a really terrible dog. (laughs) Uh (laughs) And so I just kind of like sat with all of these really big feelings and this grief and did so much therapy and so much research and by the end of it I was just like I don't actually think there's anything wrong with me I think that I've been trying to exist in a way that isn't possible for me I really took like the next couple of years and just focused on getting to know myself and getting to know like how I could keep myself emotionally regulated and how I could keep myself 
from like letting my house fall into chaos because like out of sight out of mind object permeant and like the more that I was able to learn about ADHD and autism the more that I was able to kind of figure out what I needed to do to make the world work for me or to make me better exist in the world um it was really hard. Uh, I had to call my stepmom uh-huh. after all of these years and be like, well, you're right. You know, I'm pretty sure I took a, you know, scored really high on the test. And she's yeah. like, yeah. well, I don't know why you didn't do this eight years ago and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, like I get it. I-, I think it's interesting that we like see it as having to try to fit into the world where like the world needs to kind of change to hold Mm -hmm. us right like you know it's like how we look at it and why we look at it that way um because i mean the world is so vast and ableist but like yeah so (laughs) it's so it's so built for like yeah one thing one person and it was actually interesting like i feel like i should know this or it makes a lot of sense that ADHD was not commonly diagnosed for women. No. But as soon as you said that, I was like, really? Oh, but we're, it makes sense. Of we're course. socialized like, to hide it, right? Yeah. Like, we are yeah. so... And, and really, science does only just started looking at, like, women, like, yeah. 30 years ago. Like, right. In general. Like, and, and, yeah, like, <laughs> the, the, your bodies function what? differently? What? Get out of here. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. What? Your period isn't blue? Get out of here. <laughs> Who said I also... that? You orgasm? <laughs> huh? Who said what does that mean? I also, I read somewhere, too, that, like, neurodivergent people kind of tend to travel in packs. And when I learned that, I really, like, looked at all my groups of friends, and I was like, (laughs) Okay. Oh, my God, yes! Yeah. They are all just like me. (laughs) That's what I found so interesting about when you're talking about your, um, you have a chat group. Yes. And a group of friends from the small town, and that, like, your stepmom, who was learning about it through her other son. Like, it's just all, like, commonality and relation that almost builds, like, a sense of belonging, a sense of community. And that's, like, where you're able to find your niche, your your peoples, you know? Totally. And then yourself. Well, social beings so, will do that, right? Yeah. Like, you'll find flocks of a kind. Some was, was yeah. Birds of a feather, Birds of a flock, feather together. flock together. That's it. Got it. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and I think that that is kind of important to anyone in a search of like discovering themselves yeah 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 i i definitely like wonder if i hadn't moved away what would have happened like i definitely think that having my stepmom and like that group that i had growing up there really is what kind of changed the tide for me like Mm -hmm. man those girls and i did so many drugs together it is amazing <laughs> that we are alive and functioning human beings. I was going like, to say, your, your coping mechanism, I didn't want to bring it up, but I was like, your coping mechanism would have oh been my wide God. in that time. Well, and like, we we all have ADHD. Like, it is, yeah. we're so dysfunctional. and like, Just a, like a coping mechanism. Yeah, and, and that's a lot of what we did. Like, we would go to Megan's house and we would just like hang out in her bedroom and build Lego or like... I don't know. But we also, like, we had that love for each other that has, like, endured and the stability to be able to, like, we're all successful in our own right, you know? Like, we 
it could have gone a different way. And I definitely think that just because we we found each other and we really relied on each other and had that support and had and I had my stepmom that we were able to like kind of figure it out together too, which was yeah. really cool. Uh-huh. I was gonna say even for um when you say like you met people that when you're around a bunch of people that you constantly feel like you you're on the outside trying to like maneuver in and how and how do you get how do you get in there and then all of a sudden when you meet a person or a group of people honestly like I was saying earlier that like I've never been around as many people that are ADHD than is at work and it's it's so so, and it's it actually is very relaxing to me I I actually really enjoy it um but somebody coming in uh can can it can be a lot it can Mm -hmm. be a lot but I've never I don't know if I've ever actually been a part of a situation where it's like people are like like like-minded enough that you're like okay this is comfortable i don't think you're weird you don't think i'm weird we're gonna divide and conquer a lot of times like (laughs) really well and and it seems so weird because it seems really backwards thing which i which also i'm really glad and excited that you took up the invitation to like come on here because it is you do have such a unique relationship to it even the fact that like you look back and you're like no shit, I did those drugs because I probably was very undiagnosed and very unaware of what was going on in my life. And like, I know a bit of your story there, but like, (laughs) like it's, it's intense. Like what you went through was really intense on all fronts. And then you're like, listen, like I probably just like did this because I was coping, you know, I, uh, I didn't go that way. I just went the frustrated route and just sat in my frustration in those moments. But but like, what do you mean why you just like sat in your frustration? What do you mean by that? Yeah, like I would just, I would just like know that a paper would have to get done or know that I'd have to do this stuff. And I just amp myself up and be frustrated before even trying it. So not only before even getting to it, because I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was going to be late. I knew I was going to procrastinate. Oh. I knew I was going to give my paper to my father, who's a teacher. <laughs> And I'd be like, look, just proofread this. Just proofread it, please. And he, nine o'clock at night, he'd be like, Maria, this doesn't make any sense. I'm like, it does make sense. It does. You're not reading it properly. This is what I said. What's the outline, Maria? I said it right there. He's like, well, that's about four sentences uh, rolled up into one. So what are we saying here? And like, and, and so I was sitting, I knew that was going to happen. So I was just uh-huh. sitting with it, like, and this is perspective, hindsight, or whatever it would be. But it's like, man, like, and I probably, my dad and I have talked about it, but like, I probably would have been a benefit to go to, like, the school where he was teaching, to be honest. Yeah. And like, but, but that's not what happened. That wasn't my experience. But like, you're like, damn, man, like, that could have been real fucking cool. No. Yeah, and you know what? And like, teachers too, even like, so I think a lot of my teachers really had a deep understanding of what was going on. Like I'm adopted. And so I was living with my adopted dad and his new wife, um, and her kids. So I was like away from home. And, um, I think that a lot of my teachers, when I talked to them and I would be open and I would say like, I think I have ADHD and I think that's why this happens. And 
I, I promise you that some of my teachers definitely knew that I was stoned, but I promise you that my teachers also knew that I didn't fuck with their class or mm-hmm. cause absolute mm-hmm. hell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In a bigger oh, school, sure. I probably definitely would have been, like, flagged and assessed right away. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. And not ignored. Yeah. But that's fine. <laughs> Look at you now. At you it's now. fine. Yeah. It's fine. What do you, what do you guys think about... Um your experiences or being undiagnosed and, and such that could be isolating the whole thing anything I would at say. all yeah like I for for me it was like if you are the only one who can't figure out how to read a paragraph or if you're the only one that can't figure out how to do the math question just in that certain formula or I don't know, like that's just because we were talking about school or whatever, that's what pops in my head. But yeah, like I remember my, my sister is definitely one of those people that can be like, oh, I have a test in, you know, two weeks, I'll study for it the day, maybe two days before, and it's going to be fine, was my perception on on her, Mm -hmm. on her experience. And I was not that person and I couldn't ever be that person like I couldn't behave my way to be that person there was mm-hmm. nothing I could do in order to do that so even in in that capacity I would say it would be pretty isolating that I mean I don't know yeah yeah one thing I find really isolating or something that like I still find really isolating not necessarily just about being undiagnosed but even like people I mean how do you look autistic, right? Mm -hmm. People really have expectations of me that I don't necessarily always know that I can meet. And it's always been something consistent like that, like, um, like leaving the house (laughs) (laughs) or, uh, like going somewhere really loud and busy and overstimulating has always been something that I don't necessarily find super easy. Um, and so, it's kind of really isolating when you just don't have enough left in you to do those things because you've spent all day just trying to like complete one task or like I don't think that people really understand how much work you put into just like being or like making it through something whether that's like the way that my shirt feels on my shoulder every once in a while when this thing goes a certain way or if it's like that buzzing sound in the office that doesn't stop <laughs> or or there's like a lot of little things that a lot of people don't really think about and like are really little for them but for me they're like very overwhelming like I get very auditorily overwhelmed really easily and then I can't hear you and then I start panicking and and I it, it almost it's like I get hot from like the top to the bottom and I can't interpret anything you're saying I guess it would be like probably how I would experience a meltdown Mm -hmm. um but how do you explain to somebody that I'm I'm a 30 year old having a sensory meltdown Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. especially when you have you know 300 autism moms on YouTube showing you their child hitting themselves and biting themselves and and that sort of thing right because Mm -hmm. there's a certain role that people expect you to play as an autistic person whether you are diagnosed or not and a lot of people just don't really believe you either because it's so hard to get a diagnosis 
Like, you have to have parents. Mm -hmm. I don't have that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I don't. Like, you have to have somebody that can give an accurate history of when you, you were a baby. And I don't have somebody that can do that. And it doesn't mean that I experience the world any differently just because I can't, I, I can't afford to pay $3,700 and hire somebody to be my <laughs> dad to, yeah. to go through this screening with me when like at the end of the day, I know if I just put a pair of Lululemon pants under everything I'm wearing, everything, I'll be yeah. totally fine. Wow. <laughs> Everything's fine. Yeah. I, I appreciate, I appreciate when you say that people don't believe you. Because I think there's this such the huge stigma around autism. Um, I mean, disability in general, but Mm -hmm. autism in a sense that people are just like, they're so unaware, so uneducated about this wide spectrum. (laughs) Something that I'm kind of like relating to or finding interesting in correlation to like invisible disability or what you've talked about and then like physical disability Mm -hmm. is when you talk about like your sensitivities or like not being able to necessarily leave the house but because of an anxiety or like the way your sweater feels and stuff like that in like relationship to like either actual physical needs of like someone like myself depending on other people and not being able to like get out of the house by myself or get out of the bed by myself um, in order to go somewhere so like there's like different things that like my disability will cause and then therefore like inhibit me from being able to do things or go out right Mm -hmm. whereas like totally different but still there are things that with um invisible disability you might identify with that will also like cause those inhibit going yeah or getting out yeah yeah yeah, like people don't realize how much work goes into just leaving the house for either yeah. of us. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or even like I noticed too like even maintaining relationships like with with people so that aren't hard. like <laughs> right right in front of me where it's like I'm sure like talk about interpreting thoughts but like I'm sure like there's definitely people in my life that are like I'm not that important to you but like you're like, you're not, not important. To, you're just not in front of me right now. That's all. Like, yeah, that's I just, like, I that's saw fine. a squirrel. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I apologize. So... But like, it's like, if you, if Object you just permeance. Like... <laughs> <laughs> but with people, right? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's a really interesting concept to be able to be like, you know what? Like if you choose but you don't actually choose but like it's an actual effort and I want to make that effort I definitely want to like adapt and like form because I do enjoy people a lot but like I'm it's a very situational for me like it's not a lot of Mm -hmm. planning I do a lot of random like stuff or like short notice stuff but like that's interesting that you want to that's one thing that I want to make sure that I would convey to people is that like don't please don't interpret me being absent for x amount of time as me like saying fuck you for whatever reason we'll see what happens (laughs) i find too that's why i kind of give people a disclaimer Mm -hmm. is i'm like you're probably gonna think i'm super weird and sometimes i worry if maybe that makes people put like maybe inappropriate labels on me and then they perceive me as less than capable but that's probably just like me putting myself in my own head too much 
But, like, I will disclose, like, I I do, ha- I'm on the spectrum. So, like, if I'm not getting something, I need you mm-hmm. to just tell me. Because I'm not going to read between gonna your get lines. There. <laughs> and, and if I don't call you back, I'm really sorry. I, I did it in my brain six times. <laughs> or, yeah. like... You know, like, or if I don't text you back, please don't ever take that mm-hmm. personally. I just have 32 tabs open on my brain, and I'm making yeah. Oh, my God, I love <laughs> that. <laughs> I love that you have like, 32 tabs open on your brain. I love that. That would be the title, title of this, <laughs> this episode. Yeah. 32 tabs. Yeah. I want to ask um, kind of both of you guys a question. If if you, like, ever have trouble focusing... <laughs> Um, like, I mean, I mean, that you do, because I've heard you say it, (laughs) but, um, do you find you have trouble listening? Oh, yeah. Yes. Because because this is, this is what is, this is what I find really interesting. Because Maria (laughs) is probably one of, like, the best listeners, like, as one of my closest friends, out of all my friends, she's, like, the best listener, like, who actually is, like invested in what i'm saying uh-huh. you know like the I, that so, means like, I'm, yeah. I'm tr- so i I can't like i don't know about you but i can't figure it out if you guys if you're saying you have trouble focusing and you have trouble therefore listening then how come you're such a amazing listener well because i if i have f- hyper focus yeah, uh, so if you're uh, going through a thing, we're going to do a hyper-focus. <laughs> we're only going to focus on you. I am amazing at hyper-focus. No, that's that's the best. And it doesn't have to be for long periods of time necessarily. But, like, if I'm – especially if I'm interested, like, it's – it's I'm locked in, man. Like, it's not uh. it's not happening anywhere else. Actually, when you guys were talking about, like, uh, like the superpowers or the best part about your disability – uh hyper focus is totally my favorite thing like that's what i've been saying what what an incredible gift the like one time last summer i couldn't sleep and so i learned everything humanly possible about the space station uh up in space (laughs) like everybody has their own quarters and it's really fucking cool like The the space station that's amazing Yes. And then and then sometimes I'll go on tangents and like I'll learn everything about the royal family. And then because my friends are like me, they go on tangents and then I get to learn everything that they've hyper focused and learned <laughs> and like oh my god, we could change the world, honestly. <laughs> it's for real, 100%. Yeah, no. That would be that would definitely be my best way of describing that for sure. Would be the fact that like if there's something that needs to be focused on whether it's valid or not <laughs> which like when you have when, when you have friends that are going through something or when you have friends with a good story or when you have friends with whatever then you're like yes i'm locked i'm locked and ready to go where are we going with this is on i audio. love audiobooks anybody that yeah. says that audiobooks aren't reading is ableist and i will fight them <laughs> to the death well what is a podcast right like you're just it's the radio it's audio sensory yeah yeah yeah. So. yeah and like as a dyslexic person which i am least identifying with or least speaking about i guess 
Sometimes reading words really takes the fun out of it. So if somebody mm-hmm. can just read it to me, my first year of university, uh-huh. my best friend Raven read me all my textbooks because I I had like what I hadn't been in university in like nine years or eight years, and I didn't know that you could buy digital textbooks and that they read to you. Like I I had no idea. So Raven would just read me my textbooks, which like amazing. I had, when I was going traveling in, in Australia, I was at an apple picking, I was apple picking, and one of the friends, or the, one of the girls there, my friend, um, she's from Ireland, and so I already love that accent to listen to anyways, oh, and yes. I was like, I was like, I fucking hate reading. She's like, this is an amazing book, you need to read it. I was like, I fucking hate reading. I don't <laughs> like it, it's not for me, get it out of here. And she's and she's like, well, no, I'll read you the first two chapters and, and we'll see. It's like, okay, fine go and she read it the first two chapters i was like and i was like okay yeah like can you just like keep reading it like can you just like can we just do it like how many chapters left oh we're here for you know whatever however many two more weeks like can you just read like two chapters a day like is that a thing and she's like sure yeah blah blah and i was like okay okay and it was the the boy in the striped pajamas so that was a shit book anyways (laughs) oh my gosh have you read it no i haven't oh heartbreaking heartbreaking oh my god oh my god so sad (laughs) they're well and they and it's written in it's written in first person which apparently i also really i also really like first person so i read i also read started reading the twilight books then because it's written in first person that was a long time ago (laughs) oh my god that's 12 years ago yeah wow people reading people's a thing as adults like that's a thing great totally is yeah yeah, I'm here for it. What an intimate way to experience a novel, too. Like, between friends. I really yeah. love that yeah. they did that for you. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, and That's somebody... I was only around her for, like, three and a half weeks, too. And she was just, like... She's she's amazing. She was, I don't know. Real funny. Real energetic. So it's good. It's good. Zippy. And, yeah. Zippy. <laughs> a little bit of and she And she... And the rest... Like, the whole camp was really fun, too. Yeah. You know, when I was when I was originally in the hospital, after my car crash, people would read to me, right? Mm-hmm. Like really? being in the hospital, being in hospital bed, whatever. And I even now I think just because of like shitty hand function. Yeah. yeah. Generally people like I get a birthday card. For some reason, people read it to me. A lot of people, <laughs> there's like I'm celiac, and like I have to look at all the ingredients on things, right? But like usually, whoever I'm shopping, because I'll bring someone shopping, is always the one like reading the ingredients for me. You know, it's just like people just typically read things for me, and not assuming that I can't read, but just out of that like ease of like being able to physically hold a book or physically hold whatever's in your hand to read it right yeah and i mean that's yeah so that's interesting yeah that's really sweet i love that Books. Do you know? Because it bothers me in some ways. And oh, thinking, I was like, gonna say, I should, be, I should be reading. Like that <laughs> that part of my brain is not being exercised. And like I don't do I don't read a lot in general. Like I read for school. I read for university. And so it was like, yeah, if I finished a book, it was like, sweet. This is yeah. an accomplishment. But like whereas I have siblings that read for fun. And like, like no. you know, I, I love no. like, but no. but I, like I wish I I wish I did. I want to, you know, but it's uh-uh. just you know I'm gonna I'm gonna gravitate to a film so fast, 
I love movies. Yeah. And yeah. That's awesome. I like movies too. And now even can't. less am I going to want to read a book because I can't turn them down pages myself. <laughs> so now why would I? Why would I? So, I feel like we like covered so much. Yeah. But I don't know how two hours didn't just go by. Yeah. How do you feel about like, is there anything else that you think you want to touch on? No, I think just like people should just be nicer to each other. Yeah. Boom. That's yeah. it. And the world should be more accessible for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's an understanding to be... of differences. Yes. That we're and... not all the same. Well, and celebrate. I just want to celebrate mm-hmm. them. The idea that like you're like different isn't bad, bad or scary or anything like that. It just like yeah. is. Like, and then, and you can bring so much to it if you embrace it. It's fabulous. Well, thank you guys so much for having me on. Yeah, no, it was so much fun. Coming. Thank you so much for being here and yeah. like sharing everything. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, I'm sure somebody out there is gonna hear it and be like, yeah, that's the exactly. Hope. You know, that's the hope. Me yeah. too. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. that's I the hope real so. hope. Yeah, that, that's what we want. Yes, and if you're listening, yeah. and if your house is messy, and if your husband or wife or <laughs> partner is bitching at you, I see you. I hear you. Just you send them outside. I get it. I get it. I hate laundry too. Whoa! I mean, come on, Sorry. guys, come on! Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Okay, so yeah if you liked it if you liked it if you liked what we got guys just follow us come follow us i will follow you anywhere you go okay sorry no focus instagram we're on twitter and facebook the mix crips yeah at the mix crips or you can email us if you have if you want to if you like email better yeah you know the mix crips at gmail.com yeah and please it means a lot to us that you remember to uh, to keep, keep rolling, rolling forward, forward one neuron, neuron at a time. time.